Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Camero here with episode 257 of the Tutor Podcast, the Monday morning show for anyone in the business of helping people through teaching, tutoring or coaching. As always, I'm here to share ideas and thoughts I've had, ideas and concepts that I've borrowed or stolen over the 23 years I've been in business and from the tens of thousands of pounds I've invested in training and education and to share it with you in a no month nonsense no bs way so let's crack on today's show is about looking after number one health and diet this is not optional this is business the reason i say it's business is because if you're too ill to work and take care of your business you're basically screwed state benefits might just about keep you alive but do you want to live that way Personally, I don't. So unless you have vast savings, which will be eroded over time, some kind of pension, assuming you can get at it, or good health insurance, or independent wealth and income, then you're in trouble if you get sick. This was my wake-up call when I had a big cycling accident in Spain, lost the tip of nine of my fingers, and realized that if I couldn't teach guitar, I was in deep, deep trouble. That's what got me into property investing just over six years ago. Now I have a decent investment portfolio and don't have to work if I don't want to. That's kind of unusual, isn't it? So guys, if you've got savings, then time will just nibble them away. Another of my friends, who is a, a tutor, is protecting herself she has invested some money with me and receives an income every month from her investments from what i do outside of teaching you could do that but you've got to get the savings first if you're trying to live off them they will evaporate as i said if you're old enough maybe you have pension to look forward to but what do you do if you're not that old what do you do if the pension isn't very big? You never took care of it because you thought you are going to live forever. Like I did. Health insurance. Well, good luck with that one. Health insurance want you to take out policies when you're healthy. They don't want to know you when you're sick. And how many of us really have health insurance? Which seems to be fairly rare from what I can gather. And when it comes to independent wealth and an independent income, well, that is comparatively unusual. I think that's mostly due to the widespread lack of financial awareness in education and the resultant financial illiteracy of many people. If you have an income stream from some sort of investment, as I said, I have quite a decent-sized property portfolio that pays me very well, that's unusual. I know I'm a very, very small minority. Within the tutoring game, 
it's a very small minority. Because we're experts in what we do, we're not experts in money. So across the board, unless you're healthy, you're going to be looking for somebody or something else, probably the state, to look after you if you get sick. Good luck with that. State healthcare services are uh, stretched paper thin. The benefit system seems to be in absolute disarray. The whole thing looks to be on the point of collapse. State pensions, well, they're not very big, and to be honest, the pension system is bankrupt. It's a Ponzi scheme, and with falling birth rates, there aren't that many younger people coming through to put money into the state pension pot to pay us oldies. Oh, I'm not yet a pensioner. I'm working on it. The system looks to be on the point of collapse, structurally inadequate, underfunded, and of course it's reeling from the absolute debacle of COVID-19. The economy has been massively stressed and brought to the point of collapse by that. There's a rising tide of heart circulatory and respiratory conditions which unsurprisingly to me appear to track the irresponsible administration of millions of doses of an unproven vaccine in what amounts to an enormous medical test and just don't get me started on the thousands of excess deaths occurring every week in the UK at present because that's a tragedy which is just beginning to emerge, and I think we're going to see things get a lot worse. So, nobody is coming to the rescue. That means it's on you. It's on you and it's on me, it's not on anybody else. We have to take responsibility for our own health so that we can keep doing what we do, keep looking after business, and keep ourselves out of a state of dependence upon benefits and state systems. It's your life, it's my life. We've got to take care of it ourselves, guys. And we've got to do it now. Get ready to take action. Knowing about it is one thing. Doing something about it is another. Knowing and not doing is a mugs game. Now, a person who can read but doesn't has absolutely no advantage over somebody who can't read. Action is the key. So, take five minutes and ask yourself a simple question. How healthy are you? Are you on medication? Are you in good shape? Well, look around you. How many people are in really good shape? Not many. And medication? Well, the best illustration I could find is some 2013 research by the Health and Social Care Information Centre showing that nearly half of the population in the UK regularly takes prescription drugs based on figures which exclude contraceptive and stop smoking type products. 50% of women regularly take prescription drugs and nearly a quarter had three or more prescribed to them. That's mental. Absolutely mental. 43% of men 
a third of whom have three or more prescription drugs. Again, absolutely bonkers. What is going on? And that's in 2013. If you want to break that down to an individual, that means that there were an average of 18.7 prescriptions given per person per year in 2013. Costing the NHS, drumroll please, over £15 billion a year. Now, this is 2013 figures. That's 10 years ago. Before COVID, before the associated massive reduction in hospital care and capacity, I can't find any more up-to-date stats than that. But I'd bet everything I own that the numbers are worse now. In fact, as I talk to friends and family, people of all ages, somebody like me, who's not on some kind of medication, I'm fairly unusual. It's bonkers out there. Personally, I believe that it's a well-acknowledged fact that modern medicine has a problem. I've spoke, spoke to several GPs about this. Modern medicine manages symptoms. It doesn't really aim to cure at cause, and it certainly doesn't seem to be preventing conditions from arising. And that's hardly surprising because there's zero profit in healthy people. The money drives everything. What do what does the medical industry want? It wants lots and lots of tolerably sick people. They're the cash cows which can be milked for decades. The healthcare industry isn't about healthcare. It's about maintaining tolerable levels of illness, medicating, generating revenue, and on a slightly more esoteric level, I think it's about disempowering the individual and putting reliance on your own self for the maintenance, governance, and health of your body into the hands of an outside agency, whether you want to call it the drugs, the drug company, the health service, whatever you want to call it, it's taking the power away from you. You want to avoid getting into that vortex. Trust me on this one. So what we're going to do about it, guys, how not to be a cash cow for a drug company, how not to be a customer of the health service very first thing eat right remember when mom said you are what you eat we absolutely are so have a look in your kitchen what are you eating every day chances are that you're living in a hostile food environment you'll have highly processed foods ready meals you may even go in for a lot of fast food. You'll have all sorts of things that will not contribute to your health. And many of them are actually masquerading as healthy and low-fat options. Eating right takes a little bit of effort, but it doesn't take as much effort 
as being long-term sick does. So what do I mean by highly processed foods? Well, anything with loads of sugar is bad news, guys. Anything with white flour, processed grains, and anything with more than half a dozen ingredients, I think is probably very bad news. And this is really hardly surprising that we have this toxic food environment around us. Because if you go onto the government dietary guidelines page, then you're going to be told that you should base your meals on potatoes, bread, rice, pasta, and other starchy carbohydrates. And multiple independent, properly controlled studies have proven this to be really piss-poor advice. It's just dead-bang wrong. A low-carbohydrate diet works for weight control, and it also counters type 2 diabetes. And there is a massive, massive uptick in diabetes within the UK and the world population. The government... Dietary guidelines continue to propound the the discredited low-fat nonsense stitched together by the American physiologist Ansel Keys, who is possibly, historically, the world's biggest killer. Because American nutrition policy, and the UK nutrition policy follows this, is based on something called the Seven Nations Study. It has a lovely website. I've been on there and had a look. What that website, which lionises keys, fails to mention, is that it was actually a 14-nation study. But keys discarded any countries that didn't support his theory, because he was convinced that it was all about low fat. And if you stopped eating fat... It wouldn't clog up your arteries. So he said it was like throwing cooking oil down a drain pipe and it would solidify in there and block the pipe. That's what he thought about your arteries. The man was a buffoon, a dishonest. Well, let's just say I've got a great deal of contempt for the so-called intellectual legacy of Ansel Keys. Let's leave it there. There's a lot of dubious stuff on the government dietary website. So, my suggestion is you just eat fresh, unprocessed foods. Meat, fish, vegetables and fruits, nuts, that sort of thing. The fresher, the better. The more varied, the better. Raw food's really good for you. Because cooking will frequently damage many of the nutrients present in the raw food. You heat it up, the structure of those nutritional molecules can be damaged, proteins get denatured, things get broken down. Big one for me is avoid fizzy pop. I used to love Diet Pepsi. Just avoid it. It's corrosive and it's horrible stuff. Even the Diet Cokes, the Diet Pepsis, the Diet Drinks, the artificial sweeteners in there are chemicals. They're no better than the sugar in the regular soda pops. 
How much sugar is it? Bloody tons. A bog standard can of Coke contains 39 grams of sugar. That's nine teaspoons of sugar. So ask yourself, would you like nine sugars in your tea several times a day? You'd be bonkers. Can I have nine sugars in my tea? Imagine... Oh, well, how ridiculous does that sound? So, my simple take on all of this dietary stuff is just stop eating poison. Do your own research. Don't believe the mainstream stuff about low fat. Because if it's low fat, they're going to have to get the taste up somewhere. The fat is what gives the food its taste and a lot of its satiety producing effect. If you take away the fat, you've got to put something else in. Guess what they're putting? Sugar and salt. They put the sugar in to make it more palatable. They put the salt in to mask the sugar. Back in the early 80s, I went to a lecture given by British physiologist and nutritionist John Yudkin. He talked about sugar being a risk factor for, amongst other things, dental cavities, obesity and diabetes, and heart attack. He wrote a book called Pure, White and Deadly in 1972. I recently bought a copy, because I couldn't find my original, and it reads like a prophecy. Back in the 70s, I didn't believe a word of it. That book finished Judkin in his scientific career because the mainstream thought he was absolutely wrong and there's a lot of money in available to do fake research into low fat and to perpetuate that mainstream narrative. Guys, Get curious about your health, your diet and your lifestyle. If you're not vibrant, in decent shape and enjoy robust good health, just ask yourself why not. Because your body is made to fix itself. It's made to heal. All you've got to do is stop filling it with poison and crap and move a little bit. Our focus should be on attaining and maintaining good health, mostly through consuming fresh, whole, unprocessed food, staying away from any medication or chemical supplements, despite what the lovely drug, supplement and vitamin industries tell us. It really starts with diet. Mix in a little bit of exercise and you've got two solid pillars to build your health on. Exercise is massively good for us humans, you know, generally speaking. There are some types of exercise that work better than others for different people, depending on your goals. From yoga to aerobics, crossfit, weight training, running, walking, cycling, massive list. Find something you enjoy. Anything that's active that you enjoy will get you out there. Do anything, because anything's better than nothing. But there's a caveat with this. Because your body's so good at conserving energy, don't expect exercise to fix very much. Because honestly, it won't. 
exercise will help if you fix your diet. The effects of your diet are way bigger than anything you could achieve with exercise. No amount of exercise can overcome a crappy diet. Trust me on this one, because I know. How do I know? Well, in my 20s I raced bicycles, road races and time trials. And I used to commute to and from work. So a 20 mile ride to work and a 20 mile ride back. I worked six days a week. I could usually do those 20 miles in less than 55 minutes, which is pretty fast. And it was on a steel bike. It wasn't anything fancy, carbon or anything like that. In addition, on my day off, I'd train on a long ride between 80 and 100 miles. Just for fun. And then I'd race when I could. So how come I still had a gut? My diet. I was eating lots of pasta, bread, rice. You know, basically the carbo-loading regime and dietary advice set up by the sort of food administration, the, the government agency that was advising us on diet. And also the carbo-loading regime of Dr. Tim Noakes, the author, a South African guy, of a book called The Law of Running. You know, carbohydrates were recommended for athletes. And trust me, going fast on a push bike for between three and 400 miles a week pretty much landed me in the category of athlete. Now, Tim Noakes, you know, maximum respect to the guy on this one, he's come out and apologised for his carbo load and he now acknowledges it was a mistake and he advocates a low carbon diet. Not just for athletes, for everyone. Admitting he was wrong. I mean, that's a man of total integrity. He's more concerned with what's right than being right. So, Tim, love you, man. So move. Move a little at a time to begin with. If you're not already in motion, start by just doing a little bit. Because that's how everything begins. When I got roped into running a marathon, I started training in 2017. I was 52 at the time. 52, how did that happen? I discovered these unpadded Vibram Five Finger Barefoot shoes with zero padding and zero structure in them. They're fantastic. Massively recommended to anyone. And because I wasn't really doing any running, I started by just running a couple of lampposts up the street on day one. Did three lampposts on day two. Then I was feeling a bit bold, and on day three I went five lampposts. And built up over time. Eventually I could run the 26 and a bit miles pretty easy. With no sugar laden sports gels, magic bullets or any foofy doofy energy drinks. Because I knew they'd just spike my blood sugar and make me hungry. So you, you don't want in the middle of a long run. You don't want to be consuming that kind of crap. Which will just put you on your backside. Like a big lunch will. All I had at mile 14 in that marathon was a cup of water. That was it. There's enough fat on my body to keep me going for days and days 
and weeks and probably months. Because when your body burns fat, it's easy. So we've basically just got two things to consider. Diet and exercise and do it in that order. Sort your food out first and then begin to add some exercise, some movement to your day. How easy can it be? Guys, the bottom line simple. Look after yourself. Nobody's coming to the rescue. You're no good to anyone if you're sick. If you're too sick to care about yourself, too sick to teach, you're no good. You're not good to anyone else. You're not good to yourself. Being ill is bad news and it's bad business. Unless you're peddling drugs, wonder foods, vitamins, exercise machines, neat gadgets, snake oils and miracle cures and weird diets. Then being ill, being fat, being a mess is bad business. Look after number one, guys. Because if you're not useful and helping yourself, you can't do anything for anyone else. Everything begins with that. The world needs you to stick around, stay healthy and do your thing. What do you think, guys? Where are you at? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I'm here to learn from you as well as share what I've learned with you. Drop me an email. It is info at neilcaramido.com. Uh, hit me up on Twitter where I'm at Tudor Podcast. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to the Tudor Podcast. And I will be back next week with more no BS ideas and helpful tips to help you to start, grow and love your tutoring business just like I do mine. Till then, I hope this podcast has got you thinking and has been some help. Stay healthy, stay useful. Most of all, have a fabulous day. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.